Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Angela Moore with Humphreys Moore Shawnee Ranch in Box Elder, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, a farm bill extension is very likely at this point. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For ranchers who are thinking about using ionophores, what are the potential economic benefits? I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we conclude our series on ionophores by talking about the economic considerations. The impact of less U.S. beef production on international trade. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that report straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. It is now very clear that Congress will not get a new farm bill done this year. With all of the distractions in Washington, D.C. right now, National Cotton Council's Robbie Minnick says the farm bill is on the back burner. Obviously, this late in the year with a farm bill, we're not going to be able to get one done and signed into law. So an extension will be necessary. That really doesn't have to be done until the first of the year. So I would expect that sometime in December, Congress will pass a extension. The real question is, is it a six months extension or is it a one year extension or is it something uh, even different than that? But the last thing we need is for Congress to push things well into next year. One of the, the key messages that we're conveying to members of Congress is that the idea that it could be longer than a year is very problematic for our growers, for our textile mills, for everyone that's looking for needed improvements in a farm bill. And that Congress really needs to focus on getting one done as soon as possible. Minnick says the National Cotton Council is also watching the annual appropriations bills that are making their way through Congress. USDA is offering additional aid to Texas farmers and ranchers impacted by excessive heat and drought. USDA has designated 75 Texas counties as primary natural disaster areas. That allows the Farm Service Agency to extend emergency credit to producers recovering from natural disasters through emergency loans. 
The emergency loans may be used to meet various recovery needs, including replacing essential items like equipment and livestock. The funds may also be used to reorganize a farm operation or refinance certain debts. The deadline to apply is May 29, 2024. Additional information is available on FSA Texas website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Texas dairy farmers deal with a lot of heat and drought, so those are big focuses of dairy research here in the state. Texas A&M AgriLife Dairy Specialist Jennifer Spencer says those issues plus sustainability are the top priorities for dairy research. You know, the water availability, that's always kind of been something, and heat, we deal a lot with heat stress, um, so being able to provide heat abatement and then just the dairy industry in the United States, we're kind of going towards that net zero initiative. So a lot of the research and everything has been focused on creating more of a nutrient cycle, recycling, um, putting the nutrients in and then bringing them back out. Spencer says educating consumers is also an ongoing challenge for everyone in agriculture, including the Texas dairy industry. Ionophores can be an economical option for cattle producers. James Hunt takes a look at the money side of using them. Rounding out our series on ionophores, today we look at economics. Dr. Jason Smith of AgriLife says it won't cost much for ranchers to provide a full dose to their animals. Ballpark is that we would expect that to cost about two and a half cents per head per day. So that translates to a little over $9 per cow per year. A pretty low-cost way to achieve the forage intake reduction we've talked about. Beyond that, Dr. Smith says ionophores can make a big difference in how soon a cow gets ready to produce her next calf. After that cow calves, one of the major defining factors of whether or not she gets pregnant in a defined breeding season is whether or not she cycles again. We would expect feeding an ionophore to result in a reduction in the amount of time it takes her to start cycling again by almost the equivalent of a full estrocycle. The data says 18 days, and we'd assume an estrocycle is 21 days. So let's call it a full estrocycle. So I'd ask producers to consider what are potentially 18 additional days of calf age worth. If that calf's gaining just about little over two pounds a day and that calf's 18 days older at weaning time calf's probably going to be somewhere in the vicinity of 30 to 40 pounds heavier what's 30 to 40 pounds of calf weight that's worth about two dollars and 70 cents a pound worth right now we're starting to knock on the door of 100 additional net dollars 75 to 100 dollars net additional revenue just because of the increase in calf size is a consequence of those calves being older. That's Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Beef production is decreasing here in the U.S. and that affects the beef export market. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The volume of beef produced in the United States is down this year, which has an impact on beef exports worldwide. Meanwhile, the U.S. Department of Agriculture reports a record monthly trade deficit for agriculture in the month of August. That ag trade deficit came in at more than $3.6 billion. 
Cattlefax CEO Randy Block talks about the current beef production situation in the U.S. Well, we've got less beef available to export with production down 5% this year. Again, it's a significant supply decline, so U.S. beef prices are very high when we look at the global market. So other suppliers like Brazil, Australia, New Zealand are gaining market share on the U.S. beef export markets uh, in places like Japan, China, South Korea. They're taking some market share away from the U.S. industry, which is very typical when we go through this kind of a price increase that we're seeing across the industry today. Talk a little bit about the money flow and how it impacts the markets and just you know what happens uh, in world markets and, and the influence that those events have on the industry here in the U.S. Well, I think just for all of you listening out there, when we talk about money flow, we're talking about the futures and options market. Is there more money flowing into those markets? Typically when markets are trending higher, we have more money flowing into them, more outside speculative money that is is coming in, investment money. That's always important to our markets to where we have somebody we can lay the risk off to. That is Cattlefax CEO Randy Block. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We now go to the southern plains of West Texas to visit with Eddie Griffiths in the Lubbock area. And Eddie, how are things going with the cotton crop out there? Going pretty good, it looks like. You know, guys that got harvest aids out early or in the field getting some of those crops out. Harvest aids are still going out. Before we get a freeze here in West Texas, try to get as many of those bowls open and and leaves dropped, especially off this irrigated crop. Seeing a little bit of the dry land crop being harvested, but for the most part, there's probably as much shredding of the dry land crop as there has been harvesting. Actually, more of the dry land crop being shredded down, insurance released it, just not enough out there to offset the cost of harvest and add an insult to injury if you have to harvest that crop. But irrigated crop where guys had adequate irrigation looks pretty good. Looks like the yields are decent out there. Probably just going to try to get this harvest done as quickly as possible while we have open weather. Well, I know temperatures are dropping, Eddie, so I guess the first freeze is coming soon. It'll be coming soon, and producers out there that are not wanting to put extra money in for harvest aids, they will be getting out there in anticipation of that frost to try to help open up some of those bowls and get some of those leaves off the plant. And another part of that is gins probably want to be trying to get this crop out as soon as possible so they're not having to run past the first of the year. So how's the new wheat crop looking out your way, Eddie? Winter wheat crop looks pretty good where it's been planted early. It's good crop out there. We've got moisture underneath it at this time. We can keep getting moisture throughout the next few months. It'll make for a good wheat crop and cattle producers are turning out calves. They'll be looking forward to that. That is Eddie Griffiths. He's in the Lubbock area of West Texas. Well, hunting season opens this Saturday. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And springborn calves are being weaned right now. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park Bag Coaches Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right to farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Springborn beef calves are being weaned right now. Dr. Bob Judd says fence line weaning is one good option. Weaning is the most stressful time of the calf's life, and the best method of weaning to reduce stress is always debated. One recommended option is fence line weaning, and it really works well as long as you have good fences. Dr. Mark Johnson from Oklahoma State indicates at Drovers.com that traditional calf weaning involves complete separation from the mothers. The stress of this type of weaning sets these calves up for respiratory disease. Fence line weaning allows contact between cows and calves for at least four to ten days after weaning. Again, sturdy fences are required to allow nose-to-nose contact but prevent nursing. This allows social interaction to occur while requiring the calves to transition from mother's milk to other sources of nutrition. Fence line weaning reportedly decreases vocalization of the calves and reduces restlessness during the initial few days of weaning. And since the calves are more settled, they spend more time resting and eating rather than walking. Because of this, fence line weaning calves generally gain more weight in the first few weeks following weaning compared to traditional methods of weaning in which calves generally lose weight. Calves that are less stressed usually eat more and drink more and are much healthier than traditionally weaned calves. To be successful, cows and calves need to be in the same basic area and they need to be familiar with food and water sources. After separating the cows and calves, position water troughs and feeders close to the fence line as the animals will be spending the first few days in these areas. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas quail season opens this Saturday. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The statewide quail hunting season officially opens Saturday, October 28th. And this year, hunters have good chances of bagging a quail in several areas of the state thanks to population increases following a mild and wetter spring. John McLaughlin, TPWD's Upland Game Bird Program leader, joins us with more. The regions where we saw the biggest bump in quail populations were the areas that we had cover coming out of last year. So for Bob White, that's going to be South Texas, 
So they've been growing for the last couple of years and they had a really big increase this year. So we expect that Bob White hunting in South Texas is going to be good to very good across that region. And then we also saw a bump in our Gulf Coast Prairies region. That region has got hot as we've gone through the summer, but our, our roadside counts were up. So there may be some hunting opportunity there. As for scaled quail, the Transpecos continues to be really our stronghold for those birds. We had good cover entering the year, and uh, we saw a significant bump in scale quail populations out in West Texas. So we expect in the Trans-Pecos, then even over in the Edwards Plateau, that we're going to have some good to very good scale quail hunting if you're able to get out there. The Bob White quail population in South Texas is up 4% over the 15-year mean. The scaled quail population in the Trans-Pecos is up 17% over the 15-year mean. The department reports the state has the highest quail population since 2019. The statewide quail hunting season runs Saturday through February 25th. There are no regulation changes for quail hunters this year. The daily bag limit remains at 15 birds. Hunters can harvest bobwhite quail, blue quail, and gambles quail. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Time to check the markets once again. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. That's right, and there's a huge digital divide in our state. There are still large parts of rural Texas that have little to no access to high-speed internet. I'm State Representative Dwayne Burns. And I'm State Representative Trent Ashby. We're here to ask you to vote for Proposition 1 and Proposition 8. I wrote Prop 1 to protect your right to farm and ranch. It will prevent the abuse of regulatory power, protect the backbone of our rural economy, and ensure safe and affordable food for all Texans. And I wrote Proposition 8, which will create the Broadband Infrastructure Fund to address important upgrades for public safety and provide resources for broadband access in rural hospitals and schools. Let's head to the polls November 7th and vote for Prop 1 and Prop 8. Political advertising paid for by Texas Farm Bureau and Texas Broadband Now PAC. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures traded both sides of unchanged during the session on Thursday. We wrapped it up mixed with the nearby contract higher, the deferreds lower on both live and feeder cattle. October live cattle up 57 cents, 181.70. The December down 10 at 179.32. February live cattle down $1.10 at 180.40. Same thing on the feeders. Nearby October up 57 cents, 240.55. November feeder cattle down $1.55, 236.50, with January feeders down $1.47, 235.07. Cash, fed cattle market, still fairly quiet for the week. Here in the Southern Plains, the Packers bidding 183, feedlots asking 184 to 185. No sales yet reported. 
Boxed beef prices lower Thursday. Choice down 389 at 303.61. Select down 91 cents at 280.75. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest in the alleyway today is Gary Butler, Nixon Livestock. Sells them on Monday. Gary, how'd the sale go? Short on, on the cattle, I think uh, maybe we're we're getting down to the end for this year. Uh, we find wind up with 959, 150 cows, and 13 bulls. Uh, calf market still seems to be steady. Uh, might have been a hair cheaper on 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 the like the number one and a halves and number twos for sure. But uh, the quality cow is still bringing a lot of good money. Two and three weight steers, two thirty to three fifteen heifers. Two oh nine to three dollars. Three and four weight steers, two thirty nine to three thirty five heifers. Two eighteen to three ten. Four and five weight steers, two thirteen to two three oh five heifers. Two oh two to three dollars. Five and six weight steers, two oh two to two thirty five heifers. A dollar ninety three to three forty. Heifers, a dollar eighty to two oh five. Seven eight weight steers and bull yearlings, a dollar seventy four to two oh seven. And the heifers, a dollar thirty six to dollar ninety two. Slaughter cows, best slaughter cows. We didn't really have any high yielding cows this week. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of thinner kind of cows coming right now. Uh, Forty one to ninety eight slaughter bulls, same way. Eighty nine to dollar twelve. Uh, stocker cows, eighty one to dollar five by the pound. And pairs, five hundred to thirteen sixty. Larry. Do you know of anything for this next Monday, Gary Butler? Well, uh, we got a chance of rain here, you know, off and on all week. Uh, I got some cattle, uh, some tiger-stripe steers and heifers coming if, if they can get to them. I don't know. There'll be about, oh, 40, 50 head of those if 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 they can get them out. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Gary. Larry, uh, you can catch us here at Shelbourne, 830-582-1561 or 62 Catch me on my mobile, 830-857-4330, Larry. Gary, thank you for being on the program today. Neighbor, thank you for listening. We are Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to me right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished higher Thursday. December hogs up a dollar twelve, sixty-eight, sixty-two. February up a dollar twelve at seventy-one, eighty-two. Class three milk was mixed. Nearby October milk down five cents, sixteen eighty-four, a hundred weight. With November milk unchanged, seventeen fifty-five, a hundred. The cotton market closed higher on Thursday. A good-looking export sales report and harvest-hampering rains in West Texas all adding to the support in the market. We closed out higher with December cotton up 78 points, 84.59. March cotton up 61, 86.12. May cotton up 46 at 86.90 cents. Corn market drifted slightly lower in Thursday's trading session. December corn down three quarters, 479 and a quarter. March corn down one and a quarter, 493 and a quarter. With May corn down one and three quarters, 501 and a quarter. The wheat market higher in both hard and soft wheat. Support coming from unconfirmed reports that Ukraine has stopped shipping grain through the Black Sea due to threats from mines in the sea and Russian warplanes. Both Kansas City and Chicago wheat higher on that news. December Kansas City wheat up five and three quarters, six fifty-four and three quarters. December Chicago wheat up eleven at five seventy-nine and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas was up fifteen cents, three fifty-two. December West Texas crude down a dollar seventy-eight 
at 83.61 a barrel. The financial markets lower Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 251 points at 32,784. The Nasdaq down 225, 12,595. The S&P down 49 at 4,137. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.